What is good, everybody? Welcome to the best of here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Thanks for giving us part of your Saturday. If you are new to the show, this is where we give you the best five minutes from all of our long form content from the week. Before we get into it, just want to remind you, please rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the Gold Standard Network YouTube channel. If you want to see any of those shows live, we are usually live every single weekday. So you can watch us on YouTube, on Twitter on Facebook. Check us out if you haven't already done so. All right, let's get right into it. We start on Mondays with Under Review with myself and Vish Kumaran. We go drive by drive through the 49ers game that week. Take a second look and see what else we noticed on viewing number two. Second and goal from the Niners nine yard line. And to me, Ambry Thomas makes the play of the year for the 49ers. Now I know it got called back due to penalty, but Ambry Thomas makes the stop and you know, holds the ball carrier up, strips the ball carrier, recovers the fumble, then gets up and runs it 91 yards back for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, he falls on this ball and the Jaguars quit basically at this yep. point. This was their quitting point and nobody touches him. And Hufanga's like, get up, get up and go. <laughs> and then it's a nice return. But this was an amazing play by Ambry Thomas. This is an amazing play to not quit, to basically just take the ball from him and then recover it himself in bounds. Um, it, it was like the Super Bowl turning point play by Terrell Brown all those years ago when he strips Ray Rice and then recovers it near the sideline yeah. himself. It was very similar to that, but different also with the circumstances. And to me, hopefully it's a play that gives Ambry Thomas confidence. That's the one thing that's been missing from him. And yes, I do think it would have been a different game for the Jacksonville Jaguars if they went after him early in this game because we've seen examples of his confidence waiver um fortunate for him they didn't go after him he played actually a very solid game as it went on as it went on and I'm sure this did his confidence worlds and wonders and if they can get him to play at least at the level he played against Jacksonville their defense will be better for it because they're better without Isaiah Oliver on the field that's why as poorly as Ambry Thomas played earlier this year they tried to start him in four different games uh chris waddell says i know you guys don't remember but i brought up the marriage between the secondary and the rush vish agreed with me they did it this week i mm-hmm. absolutely think absolutely agreed did you see the clip vish online of fred warner i think fred's mic'd up and fred says they don't know what they're doing and somebody on jacksonville replies you're right we don't <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm not shocked by that. Jacksonville's offense had many moments of that. Am I am I just supposed to see that and not say anything when I see just all of a sudden a little bubble appear out of your mouth and it says thumbs up for the like? I know somebody. It's, it's a new thing that StreamYard's been doing. Apparently, I had nothing to do with that. I don't know why the the like bubble. Oh, really? I thought yeah. that was a new animation that I missed over the last two weeks. It came back. No, it freaked me out. It happened on the instant reaction show yesterday. I was like, well, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm going to keep talking like, uh, but I have nothing to do with it. It just pops up. Okay, uh, okay. You're right, Chris. That was something that a lot of people talked about. And James Kirk says a final free beer for the day, a Levi stadium, 24 ounce domestic beer for you guys. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for the great content. Victory Monday celebrations in full effect. Kirk out. He drops the Kirk out at the end. You got to like that. Um, well, Kirk's also out. Cause Josh Dobbs is stud. Yeah, Josh Dobbs made some crazy. Pastronaut, man. The best nickname in the NFL right now. The Pastronaut is so good as a nickname. I agree. And I I remember also after the Arizona game, um, we were talking about it. I was like, I think Josh Dobbs is pretty good this year. 
Well, I was wrong, dude. Josh Dobbs is way better than pretty good this year. He's just a good quarterback right now. He he made some very impressive plays uh, for the Vikings. So, yeah, he's kind of saving their season a little bit. Um, let's get back to this drive because we right. got a couple more that mattered in the game. Uh, the Niners get the fumble back, which gets pushed back all the way to their own 19-yard line, which really stunk. And I think Brock makes his second most. By the way, by the way, I didn't understand the explanation on that either. So Um, the Niners got flagged because in the irony of ironies, they had people on the field during the interception that shouldn't have been. Two of the people on the field were Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes. (laughs) We we, we wanted them on the field. So, yeah, that's what the penalty was for, because Shanahan said they thought the play was over. Because Ambry Thomas like is down on the ground and doesn't really move for a second. Yeah, yeah, so everybody yeah. Everybody thought the play was over, so they walked out onto the field during the return, and then they, you know, that's where they got the flag. That's why the play was called back. He deserved a touchdown, didn't he? he on did. that. Yep, that was absolutely brutal for him. But Niners get the ball back on the 19-yard line, and they do nothing on first and second down, and it's third and nine. And I'm like, here we go. The Niners are going to go three and out on the third turnover of the game. And instead, Brock Purdy, to me, makes his second most impressive throw of the game. It's third and nine. He drops back, and he hits Ayuk for 21 yards outside the numbers, right by the sideline. Just an absolute perfectly placed throw from Brock Purdy on third down when he actually had good pass protection for a change. And it was massive because it ultimately allowed the Niners to go down and get another touchdown. Agreed. Big time throw. Big time throw. On Tuesdays, we present the Bully Ball podcast with Steph Sanchez and Jason Aponte. I do want to talk about uh, Kittle, though, for a second, because I am happy that guys like Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are back. Like, I think we've mentioned it before how much this team missed Debo Samuel. But I am happy to see Kittle continue to stay involved in the 49ers. Like, I don't want to say, like, game plan, because, like, it's not like he was that involved, but he it wasn't exactly, like, forgotten about either. And him being involved doesn't mean that he gets a lot of targets, which I think is okay. I, I think I could live with. His targets dropped from 11 in Week 8 to just 4 in Week 10 with Debo back. But to me, he's still involved because he still makes a big impact with his plays. He's doing more with less. And you only need a few of those you know, kind of plays with George to make an impact. Like half of his 116 yards on the day came on the touchdown play where he got a bunch of uh, yak on that one. So looking back at his past games in week nine, he had, oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. This week, sorry, week 10, uh, three catches, three went for first down or a touchdown. In week eight, nine catches, six went for first downs. Uh, week seven, five catches, four went for first down. So it's not a ton. It's not a lot, it's, but it's it's making an impact on the game. It's moving the chains, you know? So that's that's all I need from George Kittle, really. Like, he doesn't have to be this world beater kind of guy. But it's nice to know that you have that in your back pocket. And not only is it nice to know, but we're we're seeing it. It's nice that they're actually, like, he's getting these targets because he's always been this guy. Um, but having him... him Having him involved, and it seems like he always gets going in like the second half of the season for whatever reason. I don't know, um, but I, I'm just happy to see that it looks like he's going to continue to uh, be involved. 
Yeah, three straight games over 75 yards, back-to-back 100-yard games. Um, yeah, and and we kind of forgot, like, last year, Brock Purdy and him were heating up, like, and that's where Kittle got all his touchdowns. So, yeah, it is good to see him involved. I mean, again, you you have Debo there, which has all the gravity, and he scores a rushing touchdown as well. But getting keeping Kittle involved um, helps ease Debo back, right, like where you don't have to really go right to him. And then that particular play that you were talking about on the pass – it's impressive because while it looked like the pocket was collapsing, and it definitely was, the, the drop back was set to hit, I believe, the dig route. So that's why it wasn't a, a deep drop back. That's why the pocket, if it looked a little muddied quicker, um, you know, obviously it looks bad and it looks like McKibbitz is getting beaten. Sure, he is, but um, it's not like a seven-step drop. So that's why it happens. But he stands in there and he puts that ball in the only place that that kid can get it. And the joy on Kyle Shanahan's face, man, like the, the joy, right? Like we're so used to guys running wide open or having a one-on-one where the ball goes over their head and like Kyle just throws the plays. Yeah. Just the, (laughs) the, yeah. The, the play sheet down. It's almost like the perfect call nailed it right. There he is right there. Look at like a fist pump from coach. Look at him. And he knows it too. I'm not even going to watch like that is so baller right there. Like it's, it's, you can't imagine how many times that Kyle Shanahan dials up the right play, the Mm -hmm. right throw, they get the right matchup, everything that they want. And then the ball just lands incomplete or isn't even thrown, and he ends up being frustrated. That's the trust part that you're talking about. That's why on second and inches or maybe fourth and one, he's comfortable throwing the ball. He trusts Brock Purdy, and he he does. And 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 why not? Look at that throw. So you have the 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 short drop back. The ball comes out while there's someone bearing down on him, and he just lays it in there for Kittle who can walk into the end zone. Man, I I that is super impressive, super impressive. Best throw of the day, but. That's the one that everybody's going to look at. But there were so many other just like Brock's putting stuff on tape. That's just looks regular. Right. But they're fine throws. Like if if Mahomes or Josh Allen threw that pass. Oh, my God. Did you see Mahomes and Allen? And, and for everybody, it's just like, well, it's just the scheme and it's just the, the playmakers. It's like, no, that's a wheel route that you got. You got right there. Like you got that like uh, on on matchup. And then you and then you hit the throw while the, the pocket's muddy, man, like. I just want to make sure that I'm on, on record and saying that Purdy was incredible. And that's that's how he's been for most of the year without those little streps, stretches of like where he throws interceptions and things like that. On Wednesdays, I get together with 49ers beat writer Grant Cohn to take a look at the game that was and a look ahead at the game to come. Let's talk about the defense. Obviously, they had a bounce back week, a huge bounce back week. Steve Wilkes was on the sideline, which... The ironic thing to me about that is Steve Wilkes is on the sideline, yet Kyle Shanahan said after the game that it's the most overrated thing in the world. It's like, okay, Kyle, but you're the one that put Steve on the sideline. So what are they saying? Is that basically saying like, hey, you guys told us to do it, whereas we're we're essentially just appeasing you. That's kind of what it felt like. Hey, man, everyone's telling us we got to do something. We don't really want to change anything. Let's, you know, rearrange something that's totally meaningless and add Chase Young. Kind of feels like, you know, let's get people off our back. I think that I wouldn't be shocked and maybe you're in a position to know this more than me. I have a feeling some of the vets, you know, those wily vets on the 49ers, I think they went to Kyle and said, we want him on the field. And I think that's why Kyle did it. Not because fans were screaming about it because the calls came from inside the house. There's one more possible interpretation, and if I'm wrong, I want to apologize in advance because I don't know, but there was a relay system of communication, right? It went Steve Wilkes to Johnny Holland to Fred Warner. That's how the play call went, and it's possible that the issue wasn't necessarily Wilkes. The issue was the, you know, 
the the steps that there was three instead of two or maybe johnny holland wasn't doing something correctly and instead of criticizing johnny publicly for doing you know doing something not so well that he shouldn't have been doing in the first place they just put it on wilkes or took it themselves like who knows it could be a million things but maybe just streamlining the communication process getting johnny holland out of it he didn't ask to be part of it and just getting steve wilkes you know directly talking to fred warner that seems like it, it couldn't hurt but i don't think it's that big of a deal Right. I think the much more impactful changes that they made are number one, getting Isaiah Oliver the hell off the field because he was terrible. And number two, going with some five-man fronts, going with some disguise before the play. They had one play with Bosa and Chase. Or Bosa was in the A-gap. They had another multiple plays where both Greenlaw and Warner were right up on the line of scrimmage. I loved it because that gave the pass rush just that extra beat to get home and disrupt Trevor Lawrence. And they did. Yeah, um, that was big. But there was also the big admission. The, the secondary is where I'm looking because I feel like the secondary is what unlocks the entire defense. And they finally went back to what they did week one. If you remember week one, Ambry was playing. They had Lenore starting outside and the nickel. He would go to the slot and Ambry would come on the field. And the Steelers didn't really figure out that he was out there or who he was until the end of the first half. And they went out that went after him and the Niners benched him at halftime. Never saw him again. Now he's back. And again, I don't think the Jaguars either knew or had the, the, the personnel to do anything about it. Like Calvin Ridley, I'm not, no one's scared of Calvin Ridley. And uh, Christian Kirk, more of a slot guy. So it worked last week. But <laughs> are they going to get away with that week after week? I, <laughs> I don't know about that. He's got to guard, he's got to cover Mike Evans now. They're not going to let him off the hook unless all of a sudden Steve Wilkes has Traverius Ward sort of following around, shadowing Mike Evans wherever he goes, which is possible but i think you're gonna have to do stuff like that otherwise are they gonna be going back to isaiah oliver? i mean that whole conundrum there letting jimmy ward go and bringing in isaiah oliver i don't think the niners are off the hook with that yet i think they're still gonna lose games because of that decision to me it comes Bad. down to can you get league average play out of whoever it is whether it's ambry whether it's somebody else whether it's samuel womack if he gets the nod when he comes back just give me average play because right now what they have is a liability even ambry thomas i know he had a pretty good game but you know he also let up a couple of completions and had a penalty which he had like one of the most brutal penalties clearly a flag and they throw it and he's got his arms out like what me it's like dude you weren't even looking at the ball and you were mugging the receiver down the field Give me average play at that spot, and I think they'll be okay. Yeah, but the problem is I'm not sure they're going to get average play at that spot. It sounds so simple. If they get Jack Jones, maybe. But Samuel Womack, I've seen Samuel Womack play. He's a lot smaller than Ambry Thomas, and he's his coverage is a lot tighter, but it's too tight. He commits a lot of penalties, and even when he's mugging the receiver, he doesn't make plays at the catch point. At least he didn't in training camp or preseason. So to me, he gives up a lot of big plays and penalties. And then you got Darrell Luter Jr., who's a rookie, who really hasn't played since minicamp. He missed all of training camp and the preseason. And he's just going to step in on a playoff team down the stretch and say, I got this, Ambry Thomas, watch this. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe he will. But saving that, I don't know that Samuel Womack is necessarily going to be the solution. And I don't know if they have a solution, and that's kind of scary. It ain't, it ain't Isaiah Oliver, I know that. Thursdays is the original gold standard podcast with myself and the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Now, to the thing that was rattling around in my head, listening to the Bills podcast, and the host was Bruce Nolan. 
not the guy from Bruce Almighty, but his actual name is Bruce Nolan. And what he said was winning a Super Bowl is all about being as good as you can be for as long as you could be and hoping you get lucky. And I don't know why, but I can't get that out of my head today. And I can't help but think how it applies to the 49ers because during that three-game losing streak, Levin, I saw a lot of negativity for Kyle Shanahan and a lot of frustration from 49er fans saying, hey, let's just, it ain't working with Kyle. He had his chance. Let's go. Let's move on. And I just keep thinking about what Bruce said and the fact that, like, yeah, maybe that that literally is it. Be as good as you can for as long as you can and hope you get lucky. The 49ers were very unlucky in the NFC Championship game last year, but I just I don't know. I'm sticking with that philosophy. I was never out on Kyle Shanahan, and I won't be out on Kyle Shanahan regardless of what happens this season. It it the lucky part is the part that sticks out to me. There, I mean, there's two different ways to look at it, I guess. In recent history, it's hard to say, well, yeah, you just have to get lucky, you know, and peak at the right time because you have Tom Brady that was winning every other year. Right. But in the history of the NFL, it is kind of true. Like the stars have to align in the playoffs for you to win a Super Bowl. And the Niners know that better than almost any team. Why? Because the Baltimore freaking Ravens with Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl by beating the Niners because Joe Flacco decided to have the best playoffs any quarterback has ever had. You're muted. There it is. One <laughs> 11 touchdowns, no picks for Joe Flacco in those playoffs. Uh, CSL in the casino says thumbs up 11, greater than Grant, thumbs down. I like this from Jay Cruz. Five stars are getting along like my grandpa and grandma. <laughs> That's accurate. Um, but I just think that we don't like to do that as fans for the 49ers, right? We don't like to acknowledge the luck part of it or the, the part of it that is out of somebody's control. We ascribe every victory to a character trait for someone, a, a, you know, a benefit a something, a decision that somebody made. And every loss is the opposite. Every loss is a shortcoming from Kyle Shanahan or Brock Purdy not being able to come back in the fourth quarter. And I don't think we just acknowledge that, like, sometimes you just lose. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes whatever stuff happens. And I think that because the Niners have been so close for the past four years, essentially, that we don't do that. We're just frustrated and angry. I think in an individual game, even in the playoffs, it's the luck is not quite as much, right? It's more about, did you have the right game plan? But when you start talking about three, four games in a row against top teams that are super well coached and everybody's well coached, right? I think you do introduce a little bit more sense of luck because both teams are really well coached. That's why they're in the playoffs. And so the teams are playing a chess match of, I think they're going to do this. They're going to change these things, but not these things. So I'm going to create a game plan based on that. And they get in the game and they're either right or wrong. And it's, it's basically a game of educated guessing. Well, if you have enough educated guesses, a luck factor comes in, right? So that's how I kind of look at the playoffs is that the, to win a Super Bowl, you have to basically have the right game plan, predict what your opponent was going to try to do at least three times in a row. I don't know if I'm totally on board with all of that. I'm not saying it's all luck. I'm just saying there is a luck factor in that. And because there's a luck factor in there, that means to win a Super Bowl, 
you do have to be lucky to a degree. Illuminati says more than luck needed to overcome bad referees. Uh, Kyle says bleep happens. You cannot let it smear. That's a good analogy. I think of the, the Niners Chiefs Super Bowl 11. Nick Bosa forces a fumble on Patrick Mahomes and the ball bounces right back to Patrick Mahomes into his arms and he gets it back. If that ball bounces the other way towards the goal line, Bosa's the only one available to go get it. Like sometimes stuff like that does happen. Or, you know, if the refs do their job, <laughs> that long passing play doesn't happen because Nick Bosa was blatantly held right in front of a ref who looked right at it and decided I don't have the balls to call this play. Yeah. That's luck. That was a rough time. We close out the week with the gold diggers show. That's myself and Michelle Majuk from NFL network. We preview the 49ers game that week from a gambling and fantasy perspective. I have some best bets this week that I think were pretty interesting, a little different, a little off the board for me, but you know, I try to let the numbers dictate these things and go where they take me. How many best bets do you have this weekend? I have three for real ones. And then one, I just want to throw out there. You put a little $10 bet on and we'll see if it works out. Right. So one, you want credit for if it hits, but you don't want any blame for if it doesn't. <laughs> well, I'm just saying you put $10 max on it, right? It's it's one of those, but I'll give that at the end. Okay. All right. Give me your fastball best bet. If you're only making one bet this week, this is the one you're going to make. Oh, you're only making one bet. Okay. If you're only making one bet, Brandon Ayuk over 67 and a half receiving yards. I mean, this is not good analysis. I want to say this right now, but he hits this in every other game this year. <laughs> so didn't hit it last week. These are his games. 129, 43, 148, 58, 76, 57, 109, 55. So every other game, he has at least 70 receiving yards. And I'm just going to go off of that. I think that, you know, it's just going to keep up. But also, I'll say, Ayuk is actually, he has, he's tied for the third most receptions on downfield targets this year. He's behind only Tyree Kill and CeeDee Lamb in downfield receptions. Wow. Really impressive. So I think he's going to get those chunk plays. The Buccaneers secondary is garbage. They're allowing the second, uh, yeah, the second most receiving yards to wide receivers this year behind only the Eagles and Brandon Ayuk does his thing every other game. So I'm going with 67 and a half receiving yards for him. <laughs> so your fastball best bet only make this one bet. Put your money down here. Analysis is based on the fact that, well, he's done it every other game. And so <laughs> I mean, I gave other reasons, but yes, uh, uh, sometimes, you know, you just get lucky on these weird, uh, historical patterns here that is a little strange though how it's been that consistent we're not like two games into the season now so for it to be that consistent is pretty surprising Ayuk, uh there was a little tidbit too in the tv broadcast that i just i was re-watching some of the game this morning and i happened to notice brock purdy told the fox broadcast crew that he and Ayuk are starting to have like that mind meld right like they're starting to get that sort of connection that quarterbacks get with number one wide receivers after they've been together for a while where they both kind of look at each other and know that is super encouraging because especially if Brock's going to continue to make some off schedule plays, you need that sort of shared brain. And if he's starting to get it, that could be a very good thing. And that could definitely help you hit this over. Yeah. I think Brian Ayuk is super important for Brock Purdy. Uh, that's why I, kinda, I want the 49ers to keep him moving forward. I do think he's a special wide receiver. I know they don't utilize him enough consistently, but I do think he's super important for Brock Purdy's success moving forward. Okay. I have a best bet that uh, to me, like 
I'm stunned that you could get plus money on this one. And it's 49ers score on their first drive, offensive score. It's plus 110, which means if you bet $100, you win $110. I'm totally shocked that this is like the odds for this are this good. There have only been two first drives all year where the 49ers have not scored either a touchdown or a field goal. And one of those was Christian McCaffrey fumbling at like the 10 yard line against the Vikings. So they were going to score either a touchdown or a field goal on that possession before he fumbled it away. So I would take this bet. I would put, you know, this is where I would put most of my money this week is on this one. And I know it's a little scary because it's, you know, right out of the gate and anything can happen, but the Niners have been great with the scripted plays on the scripted possessions. And I just think that there's no way they don't go down and get a field goal or a touchdown. So my second one actually goes with this and maybe you could parlay it together. But I, I said that the touchdown, the two touchdowns for CMC is just not worth it. Right. You, you don't get enough for that kind of risk of getting into the end zone twice. But and then if you just bet on one touchdown, you make no money because they, right. <laughs> they're like, yeah, he's going to score. But Christian McCaffrey first touchdown score of the game is at plus 275. Mm. And I'm not scared of the Buccaneers scoring first in this game, right? Like, even if they win the coin toss, I think the 49ers stop them at most would allow a field goal. I do think the 49ers are the first ones to get into the end zone in this game pretty easily. And if you have to pick who's going to score that first touchdown for the 49ers. I mean, the best bet is Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey actually leads the NFL with three touchdowns on his team's first drives of games this season. So he's at the top there. And we both believe that the 49ers will have a nice first drive. I think this is a solid bet. If you wanted to be even more bold and risk a little more money, 49ers to score a touchdown on their first drive is plus 205. And before you think that's too risky, they've actually done that in six out of the nine games this year. A touchdown on the first drive, not just a, an offensive score. They have the most points scored on the opening drive of anybody in the NFL. And I just, I would feel, I felt really good about that. But then when I saw the offensive score and it was still plus money at plus 110, I was like, I'm going to pick that one for sure, just in case, you know, disaster happens and maybe they have to kick the field goal. But I feel like one of those two things is definitely happening. And you know, with Kyle Shanahan, they'll get down to the one inch line and on fourth down, he'll be like, mm, we, should <laughs> we should kick the field goal. Right. Let's, let's bring Jake Moody out here. Booth is confident. <laughs> I see a couple people suggesting bets in the chat. I'm going to get to those, uh, but I want to finish going through the, your best bets. So what do you got for us? Uh, Brock Purdy over 258 and a half passing yards. He has had 270 plus passing yards in each of the last three games. I know the two games prior, he had a pass more because they were close games or losing whatsoever. But I mean, last week they were killing the Jaguars just the entire game. And he still put up 296 yards. And the reason I like this bet is because of the matchup. Again, I brought up that the Buccaneers are along the second most passing yards per game uh, this season to uh to opponents but also they've been particularly bad uh covering the deep pass they've allowed the fifth most deep passing yards they've allowed the second most deep passing touchdowns and that is where brock purdy has thrived this year so i think he's going to have a lot of chunk plays maybe not a ton of you know pass attempts but I think the pass attempts he does have, it's going to come with a lot of 30-yard completions that are going to rack up, and he gets 259 yards in this game. 
And the one thing with Brock is like, if they're there, he'll take them. Like he doesn't settle for the check down. He looks to take those first. And Kyle Shanahan had an interesting line uh, with KMBR yesterday. He talked about how like sometimes a deeper play is kind of sort of there, like not, you know, not totally wide open or whatever. And Brock still takes it anyway. Like he presses until it hurts when it comes to putting pressure on a defense. So I agree with you. I, I would take this over absolutely in this one, um, which if you're going to take, see, I feel like this sort of affects all your other bets, right? Because if you're going to take this one, then it's like, all right, well, receiving totals for certain guys have to hit if he's going to hit this over. So like, how many bets do you make? That's where I sometimes can get into trouble because I want to make too many bets. As long as you don't parlay them together, you're okay. True. Yeah, that is very true. Um, okay. Let's get into, uh, was that all three of your best bets? Sorry. My top three. Yeah. And then I have one more I'm going to get to. Okay. Do you want, let's get to that now. Give me the one that you want credit for if it hits, but if it doesn't hit, you want none of the blame. Okay. Okay. And again, $10, right? Unless you are made of money and you have money to blow away, then you can maybe put down more, but Trey Palmer is the slot wide receiver for the Buccaneers. He unfortunately doesn't have any receiving total bet line on DraftKings, at least. Maybe you can find it elsewhere. It'd probably be super low, and I'd take the over. But he is plus 650 anytime touchdown score. And you guys know I love to place these bets on the slot wide receivers against the, the 49ers defense. And Palmer leads the Buccaneers uh, wide receivers and routes from the slot this season. And he's seen an increase of offensive snaps uh, over the last few games. So he actually saw a season high 83% of offensive snaps last week. He's had four, four, six targets over the last three weeks. So do I, is it going to be risky that he scores a touchdown? He has two on the year. So it's not like he has zero, right? But I would feel better about his receiving yards. But also Isaiah Oliver is, I will use the word garbage for him. He's but he's garbage. one play. Yeah, it's just one play. He needs a touchdown. And if they're doing a good job covering up Mike Evans and Chris Godwin like they did last week, maybe he looks to Trey Palmer. Well, the good news for 49er fans is that they seemingly benched Isaiah Oliver last week for Ambry Thomas. Hopefully that continues because Isaiah Oliver has been terrible. Uh, let's get to a couple of the questions in the chat. Andre, YouTube channel member, says George Kittle, anytime touchdown scorer. Uh, that is plus 160 if you want to go there. I feel like George Kittle's touchdowns happen by accident, right? He catches a, a bomb down the field. The defender falls down. He walks into the end zone. I feel like if he doesn't get something like that, they don't target him in the red zone. So I really get worried making this kind of a bet. It's risky, but as I just said, they're giving up a ton of deep pass touchdowns. So that could definitely be the George Kittle touchdown, mm -hmm. but it, it's definitely a riskier bet. And I don't think the odds are, I mean, they're fine, but you're not even making double and it feels risky, but he could hit it. Antonio says chase young over 0.5 sacks. You know me, I always looked at these. So he's actually the bet you can make is 0.75 sacks for Chase Young, but it's minus 110. So that, that means you'd have to wager $110 to win $100. So I didn't like that one. He was minus 110. The Bosa was over 0.75 sacks, and that was minus 125. So that's even worse odds. So I didn't like that one. The, the sack bet for the Niners I liked this week was actually Javon Hargrave because it's he only needs to get a half sack in order to hit it, and it's plus 145. So bet 100, win $145. That's the one I'm going with. Last week, I think Hargrave kind of his pressure 
moved people towards Chase Young and towards Nick Bosa and towards Eric Armstead and Cleveland Farrell, I think it might work in the reverse this week where the pressure off the edge forces Baker to step up into Eric Armstead, into Javon Hargrave. So if I had to place a sack bet this week, I'd go Hargrave at least a half sack plus 145. I like that. Yeah, it's definitely hard to take a guy that needs a full sack, right? Because he could ha- make a great play, and then someone else get- jumps in there too, and they credit mm-hmm. both of them for a half of a sack. It's hard. And Chase Young, I mean, last week he had a half of a sack. He looked good. Now, was Chase Young on that Ohio State team when they faced Baker in Oklahoma? Um, in well, he played with Bosa for eight games at Ohio State. I don't know if that was when they faced Baker. Because he could have two guys now at chances of tagging him and then doing the, you know, the celebration. That's what I, I wish you could put a bet down. Do they do that celebration? Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, Zach says, what's up, Rob? What's up, Zach? Appreciate you. Uh, Hines says, Niners under 30, Bucks plus 10 and a half. So Niners under 30, I would be surprised, honestly. Um, because even last week, for example, they generated four turnovers, but they only scored on half of them. There were two turnovers that they went three and out immediately after. So like they could have put up even more points in the game and didn't. So they don't have to play their absolute best to hit 30 points. So I would not take the Niners under 30. Uh, Yeah, honestly, I'm uh, the opposite of both of these. I would take Niners over 30. And the last I saw, it was Bucks plus 12, actually. And I'm still taking the 49ers to beat them by 12. My prediction is 31 to 17. So that would still cover the 12. There you go. Um, I actually, there was a couple of bets I saw, and you tell me how you feel about this. I When I first saw it, I was like, damn, all right, maybe I have to do that. The first one was Niners minus three and a half after the first quarter. And my thinking on that is they're going to score on the opening drive. <laughs> and so I feel like they're off to such a good start there. I think they'll get one other score in the first quarter. So I don't know. I think I would take Niners minus three and a half after one. Yeah, I was hurt. The, what was it? A, f- a handful of weeks ago when I was like, every single week, they're yeah. up by this amount in the first quarter. And then they get smashed for the Vikings in the first quarter. Like, well, also CMC fumbling was a big right. part of that. But I just, it. yeah, now I'm just like scarred from doing that. I never look at those. Right. And I finally did. And I got scarred. So I haven't gone back yet. But yeah, they should be up by at least a touchdown after the first quarter. And I also wanted to, that was plus 105, by the way. And then I also liked the total for the game over seven and a half after the first quarter. And that's not even like, that could be the Bucks up by 10 points or whatever. But to me, that seems really low. And that's plus 105 wait, also. What, wait, I, what was it? Total points in the, in the quarter. The over is over seven and a half. Oh, yeah. Like for both teams combined? Yeah, for both. Plus 105, I already made that bet before we even before we even jumped on the air. Yeah, I guess the biggest concern is that the 49ers shut them out, so they would need at least 10 points in the first. But if they're shutting out the Buccaneers like that, then they're going to have multiple possessions, and you would expect them to at least have a touchdown and a field goal. That's what I would think, too, right? So I I don't know. I, again, like it makes me nervous because I feel so good about it that like clearly Vegas is getting one over on me, but I, I had to do it. Uh, shout out to Cynthia, YouTube channel member says, Hey, Rob and Michelle, I'm on a plane coming back from the Bahamas. That is really cool. Someone's 10,000 feet or 25,000 feet up watching us right now. Well, hopefully she's enjoying a mimosa with me on the plane. You always got to have that mimosa on the plane. 
That's I, I've only weird side story. I've only ever had alcohol on a plane one time. It was a couple of years ago. I was flying home from the Super Bowl when I was working at NBC and I happened to be Humble sitting. Brag. Yes. I happened to be sitting next to this woman who started talking with me and we're talking and she's like, do you want a drink? And I was like, what? And she's like, I want to buy you a drink. And I was like, no one's ever bought me a drink before. She says, well, I'm going to buy you a drink. So she bought me a beer. So we're sitting and we're talking the whole flight. And she says, what are you doing after this flight? And we had talked about like my wife, my kids, my family, the whole thing. I'm, I'm side eyeing you here. No, no, no. Like, I, I, first of all, I'm wearing a wedding ring. I've been married for okay. years. And you no, know, I'm saying I'm like, I'm not hiding anything about my situation. So she says to me, what are you doing after this? And I say, nothing. She's like, oh, OK, yeah, I don't have any plans either. So we get to the end of the flight and the plane lands. And I just look at her and I said, see you later. And I just got <laughs> off the plane and I sailed it out of there. That's what you have to do. I hate those kind of situations because then you feel like I, I hate, I hate when guys buy me drinks. A, I always make it known I'm married. I mean, my wife is always with me. So I'm like, well, this is my wife. And they still want to buy us drinks. But then you just feel an obligation to A, talk to them or hang out with them or, you know, and I'm just like, oh. God, like I just, I'd rather just buy my own drink and then decide if I want to talk to you on my own. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not hard to get a drink. I could afford a drink. That's why I'm yeah. here in the first place. But that to this day is the only time any woman has ever bought me a drink. Um, and it probably will. I'll buy you a drink when we meet. Okay. Well, hey, I'll take that. I like free alcohol. But it was just super awkward because eventually, like, I figured out what was happening and I was like, I need to get out of here fast. Yeah. Have you ever told your wife this story? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Good boy. Yeah, no, I hundred percent. I also probably think my wife thinks it's laughable that any other woman would be interested in me. So oh. <laughs> I don't think she cared. But anyway, uh, we appreciate everybody. Sorry for that quick aside. It was just a weird thing that popped into my head. Uh, that is all of my. Be- oh, uh, the only other best bet I had is Mike Evans over fifty-five and a half receiving yards. This seems kind of low to me too. The only way I feel like he doesn't get this is if the 49ers just interfere with him. And so he doesn't get credit for the receiving yards because of the penalty. And that's definitely what could happen. Like I can definitely see that happening. I don't have exactly what he had. Um, I know Godwin and Evans combined for 98 yards. I think Chris Godwin had, uh, let me look really quick. Um, actually I won't be able to look that up quick enough. Uh, he was close to that the last time they met last year. I don't know. Yeah. I think he gets the over, but again, I don't know if Ward can guard him, but at the same time, he might right. just run into him and then he doesn't get the yards. And he's gotten some penalties this year, too. I feel like he gets a lot of penalties. Last year, Evans had four for 44 against the Niners. Godwin had five for 54, if you are uh, keeping track. Yeah. Don't so, like that. Yeah, I guess it's it's not. I don't feel. I also just don't want to root for that because the only way the 49ers can lose this game is if Mike Evans goes off. Right. And I'm not like, if he gets 60 yards, that's not going off at all. And if he doesn't get a touchdown, who cares? But if he, I, like, I don't want to be rooting for Mike Evans to catch passes. Cause I think that's the Amen. only possible way the Buccaneers can stay in this game is if Baker and Mike Evans just have this huge game. Uh, and he's the only one that could wreck this for the 49ers. It's Mike. I'm not worried about Chris Godwin, not worried about Rashad white. There's no other weapons there that I'm worried about besides like Trey Palmer could score a touchdown, you know, uh, but it's only Mike Evans that could possibly ruin this for the 49ers. Uh, gorgeous. Uh, Gregorius Greg, excuse me, says gorgeous, Greg. I can't read. Apparently uh, 
We appreciate that. I'm glad it's one of your favorite shows. The I want to call him Gorgeous Greg for now on. Yeah, I know. That's better. See, I'm just trying to help you, Greg. Um, the only thing I'll say about the Evans thing is we've seen receivers go nuts against the 49ers. Even when the team gets blown out, they still have good games. Cooper Cup has done it a bunch. Uh, Puka Nakua did it when Cup was out earlier this year. Christian against Kirk the had a really good game last week. So it's possible for a receiver to go nuts and the Niners to still blow them out. So those two things are not mutually exclusive. So I don't know. I, I, that's going to be a game time decision for me. I swear to God, I will be like hovering over the app, like right before we kick off. Like, do I do it? Do I not do it? It all comes down to, is it the pass interference or not? Cause you know, he's going to get yeah. open and he's going to have a chance to catch a couple big plays. And he, if I had to p- place a bet on this, I'm taking the over. I really am. Uh, but at the same time, you, you did just say it perfectly. I will say, I can they just put Isaiah Oliver out there for like, it's in the fourth quarter, the 49ers are up by a lot. Trey Palmer's out there. Just put Isaiah Oliver uh, across from Trey Palmer just for a quick little touchdown. Just allow right, that. Just your overs. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be like 31 to 7, right? It doesn't matter. It's in the fourth quarter. And give Trey Palmer a easy touchdown against Oliver. Think of the gamblers. 49ers is all we're saying. That's a wrap on this edition of the Crossover Podcast. Thanks again for part of your Saturday. Just a reminder, if you want to take a deep dive on the 49ers opponent of the week, check out our Crossover Podcast. You can check that out here or on YouTube if you want to see the video of the guests that we bring on every week to take a deep dive into the 49ers opponent. You can do that as well. And hope you do. You'll learn something, I promise. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Make sure you join us after the game live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch for the Instant Reaction Show. Levin Black and I will break down everything that happens in the Niners game. Hopefully, we are celebrating another San Francisco victory. This has been a Gold Standard Podcast Network production part of the Fans First Sports Network.